The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Michigan is a wonderful summertime destination. So today we continue our summertime Risa in Action series with Michigan native Doug Oosterhart. Hey everyone, welcome to Retire with Style and another brand spanking new edition of the Risa in Action. And we're bringing in Doug Oosterhart from LifePoint Planning today, right Wade? That's right. Yeah, we're excited to have a, a Michigan native who's been all over the country, and we're happy to welcome Doug to the show for our special Friday series looking at the RISA. Thank welcome you, Welcome to the show, Doug. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No, no, no. I think it's awesome. And, and Wade, uh, just a, a quick, after I started the episode saying, hey, I'll try to be, keep quiet here, but Doug had the best story of using the RISA before it was the RISA. And your book had a lot to do with it, Wade. He, you know how you have a free link in your book? You know, to take it. Mm-hmm. I sure do. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I know he this is <laughs> He would send folks to take it, you know, from your book, and then he would discuss it with them afterwards. Like that's the greatest hack, I, I, I thought. When and when yeah. when Doug told me that story, I was Hacking like, oh, this guy, this guy's like us. We need him on. We need him on this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was reading the uh, guidebook, then I'm like, wait a second, this is in print, so it's a static link, which means. I guess anyone could use that. So, sorry. No, <laughs> but, that's fine. Yeah, I had no, I no, had that's... clients do it, and that was before you could even print it or like download it in a PDF. So I had to like create a, a Loom video of here's how you actually get the results to me. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh-huh. but it was good. Yeah, they have to copy and paste the output from the screen, huh? That's yep. you're kind of walking them through that. <laughs> yeah, but it was good. Hey, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Yep. <laughs> I'm always, that's a great hack. <laughs> and that's still today. I mean, I guess advisors yeah. can do that. Get those. Yeah, they'll just get our get nurturing secrets, but hey, yeah. all's, all's right. fair, right? Yeah, the, <laughs> the danger is that BookLink does ask you if you want to be on our mailing list as Correct. well. Correct. Uh, yep. I, I just try to tee them up like, hey, you're going to have to sign up for their email list, but we can still work together. Yeah. Or unsubscribe. Don't so, worry. After a week, you won't right. want to read anything else. <laughs> fair. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, you can opt out as well. It's not necessarily, it just asks you if you want to sign up and you may have to unclick the box, yep. but uh, as long as you do that, you're not on the mailing list. Definitely. But wow, yeah, that, I didn't, I, I've heard that story, but I didn't specifically link it with you, Doug. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. You're a longtime user. Yeah. No, it's fun. And now you do have a, a formal yeah. <laughs> license. Yeah. Now I can send the link, which is good. So. Yeah. You've got complete control yep. as, with your own account. Well, and so we'll let the listeners know a little bit about your background. I mentioned you're a Michigan native. You're a graduate of Michigan State University. I grew up more in the Detroit area. That yeah. was at least where I lived, more of a University of Michigan vibe. Yeah, but, uh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> tell us a little bit about your journey from Michigan State to where you are today. Yeah, so uh, started 
as a 20 year old in the industry and I'm now going to be 31 this year. So I'm kind of at a weird point where I'm not like practicing on clients, (laughs) if you will. And um, I'm also not a, you know, 65 year old advisor that's been around forever. So I'm kind of just in that little sweet spot. Um, but yeah, started as a junior at Michigan state at a, at a large insurance company and, uh, built the practice over five years there, uh, to 200 ish households, just organically pounding the pavement and then decided to start my own RIA, uh, about five ish years ago. And now I work with about 75 households, um, and uh, I've been through all different fee models, right? I've been commission only, fee based, fee only, and now I'm back to fee based, which I think McLean is too, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and I think we're on the same page there, just in terms of you know our preference for business model. And this isn't about you know what business model is the best, but truly having the ability to serve clients in any solution, right? And I think that's what's really powerful about the RISA is uh, and you know, Wade, you've identified multiple viable options. So now what we're trying to do is say, okay, what option fits any specific situation? And it's not always a, you know, spreadsheet answer, right? I've seen people comment on some of your kits' posts, like, (laughs) you know, with just crazy (laughs) stuff. And, And I love that you take the high road with your responses, but just crazy, crazy stuff about just their specific philosophy that they put every single client into. So the Reese is so great that it helps identify specific solutions for specific people. So, um, but yeah, I mean, now we're just, uh, we're still kind of in growth mode. Um, I've hired an assistant based on Alex's advice <laughs> of trajectory of the business. He's, you know, he's just like, okay, let's, uh, your next step is to hire an assistant. I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. So um, just to build the infrastructure to, you know, have more scale. So, but no, I, yeah, I, that's me in a nutshell. And I think, uh, you know, for, for folks that we can do it a little early, uh, I, you know, in my conversations with Doug, uh, even though he's 30, 31, whatever, wise beyond his ears, I, I think, I mean, you could kind of, I've, I've been around long enough. I'm 50. I got into this. Probably when I was, I don't know, right out of grad at 29, 30. I don't remember exactly. And you can begin to, you have an intuitive sense of who's going to be a good advisor, who's not just by the vibe they give. And I got to say, Doug, for someone your age and every, and the way you've been, your, your trajectory and the like, I, I can see you being like extremely successful, like an outlier type of successful. And, and that's why I was like, hey, let's bring him in because it'd be kind of cool. <laughs> no, seriously, it'd be kind of cool. Like 10 years later, it. 15 years later, say, hey, Doug, check this out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, remember way back when? No, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly I honestly feel that way. But, you know. Who knows, right? It's, uh, we'll see. Yeah. But I get that vibe, so I, I you know, I, I kind of think. It's, no, I appreciate it. Nah, my nah. line that I, the line I use is, and I won't be able to use this forever, but my line right now is, "Don't you want someone in their prime when you're in yeah. retirement?" No. <laughs> so then they're just like, "Oh, right, okay." Right. No, that, that, <laughs> so well, yeah, that that's a real issue. If the advisor is the same age as the client, sure. they may not be around for that. Well, full. the funny thing is, <laughs> remember, remember, wait, I got in like I was probably early thirties, th- right? Early thirty, like 30, 31. And I remember going to conferences thinking, hey, look at me. I'm the young whippersnapper. And now I'm like, man, I'm like average. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like in the middle here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so slowly, you know? But Middle-aged and crazy. Yeah, right? 
<laughs> See, we need more of those. <laughs> those from Wade. Yeah, right. You know, oh, he's the, full of them. Trust me. We were in, I, yeah. We were in he Stan- plays it close to the vest. Dude, we were in Stanford last week walking down the campus. And he's just zinging them, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's got a he's got a public persona, <laughs> right? <Wade>? Absolutely. <laughs> something yeah, like something that. Like yeah, that. Something like that. Well, well dude, uh, for within your so with the book is the book the first impression where you saw, hey, what is this Risa thing about? And, yeah, and for the Risa vibe, specifically. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the book is really—I don't know the best way to describe. It. It's really meaty. Like I don't know. There's just yeah. a lot of stuff inside of it. You know, when I'm like, okay, let's take this chapter by chapter. And uh, but yeah, the book was the first time that I, you know, was first thinking about. Wait a second. Like this is not a classic risk tolerance questionnaire, right? Like, uh, and that's I think that one of the all, easiest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's like one of the easiest ways to describe what the RISA is, is to say what it's not. Right. Yeah. It's not a, you know, it's not a risk tolerance questionnaire <laughs> where you're going to be like, oh, here's your portfolio that you should be in based on your age. And clients and prospects alike enjoy that part. Right. And when I was first sending it out, it was a lot longer. <laughs> but but now you got the you know, research it's, little, it's version. shorter. The one on the book yeah, is the exactly. research version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full length. Yeah, yeah, full length. You got, one. Like, so, you got the director's cut. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now it's a little bit shorter, but uh that that whole the whole thought about it is just, you know, it's it's different and it's not it's not anything that we've seen before, right? The goal is to I think at least the goal is to get to know your client as best as you possibly can but also specifically know how they think and how they make decisions. So if you can do that and like get into their brain about, okay, what, you know, how do they make a decision, right? It's not the spreadsheet answer for this specific client. It might be something else, but as long as we know that those, all of the solutions are viable, we can, we can determine what fits best for them in their specific scenario or, or we can also weed out people that might not be a good fit or that might be a good fit to be a DIYer, which yeah. is, which saves everyone time, which is great. So, um, yeah. but yeah, to answer your question, that was a long answer to a short question, but yeah, I mean, the book was the first, the first time. And then now I, like <laughs> I sent you guys that email about the funded ratio, which that's another really cool exercise that you can do with people is, is kind of take, that and then mirror back in the RISA, like, okay, we know your funded ratio looks good. Now, how do we go about implementation of that income plan in the future? So, yeah, because the funded ratio really does a good job <clears throat> of disentangling the essential expenses from the discretionary and how funded are you mm-hmm. in each component. And if you're obviously yep. in the income protection bracket, then you know, like, you need a laser focus on making sure the essentials are funded with sure. uh, contractual income, you know, that to the degree that it's economically feasible etc right yeah no i i I think you're i think you're spot on there i guess one yeah go ahead wade sorry i just that we really i as you know from the retirement planning guidebook i really became enamored with the funded ratio and that's really the one-two punch of what's your style and then do you need to change anything from your current course of action and that's where the the funded ratio is really looking at is there a gap you're looking to fill and if so how are you most comfortable feeling it? So I'm glad to hear also that you you kind of like that funded ratio approach. It's just, it's an alternative to, 
and it doesn't replace, it's just, you can do them both, but Monte Carlo based financial planning tools that report success rates. They're yep. two, two different coming at the same problem from opposite ends, but ultimately getting similar answers. Yeah. I was just going to say it's an and not an or, and, and it also depends again on the client's learning style. So especially you get a spouse that might be more technical and a spouse that might be more high level. We can say, okay, great. Here's two different ways we can approach it. We're going to get you the same solution, but in terms of your visualization and learning, we might approach it from a different angle, which I think is helpful. Yeah. Uh, and then also go ahead. Sorry, Alex. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know how much to take it into now a discussion on Monte Carlo versus yes. funded ratio. <laughs> Sorry. So no, no, no. I, no, no. I, I wanted to get into it. So I'm kind of catching myself. We have previous episodes. Knock yourself out. I don't know what number they are. But ultimately, I'll, my two cents is Monte Carlo is more of a binary yes or no. Then it gives you the cumulative mm-hmm. percentage of thousands of plants. Whereas funded ratio, I like better because it's kind of a percent completion thing. And I, I think yeah. that's much more useful for for somebody especially in the early stages of deciding what kind of plan they want to get into. I'll leave that at, at that before you know, getting into <laughs> yeah. it. And obviously, Wade agrees, correct, Wade? <laughs> sure. And also just the uh, funded ratio lets you really focus on what rate of return are you assuming, whereas that gets completely obscured in the Monte Carlo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, and I, th- I mean, we could take that a step further, right? And just, and we could draw it back to the RISA, like a lot of, advisors out there, as we know, focus specifically on that total return, you know, whether it's 4% rule or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. withdrawal strategy and the funded ratio, we can be like, okay, you hit, you hit your ratio or or it's a completed ratio at X amount of return. So therefore we don't necessarily need to hit home runs. We don't necessarily need to do X, Y, and Z. We can, we can really construct something that you'll be able to live with for the next X number of years and not have to change it. No, man, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It, 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 it just helps the conversation. And that's why we think it, it's the good one too. But I don't know. I mean, if, if you're doing Monte Carlo too, there's a sense of it's just always going to be total return. And so mm-hmm. you, using that as a segue, does Arisa help from a client communication? Well, I hope the answer is yes, but who knows, right? And if it didn't, that's fine too. I just didn't want to lead the witness the way I was asking it. So <laughs> let me let me rephrase that. How has Arisa affected the way your client communication <laughs> cadence has gone when presenting strategies, etc.? Yeah, great question. So it's we know, right? Annuity can sometimes be a four-letter word, and uh, one thing like a potential piece of criticism for the RISA is that it is, or it can be relatively annuity heavy or give the perception that it is. And that's just not the case, right? Like you can, you, there's, I have, I have uh, case studies of just clients in all different segments and quadrants of it where it's like, look, we're just going to implement whatever works. And I was telling Wade um, before this, like I use a lot of buffered ETFs and in my practice and, uh, you know, that could be a solution for a certain segment of people. Um, I use, uh, you know, when we're talking like a bucketing strategy, I have like a timeline matching visual, like a one pager that I'll show clients, like, because they'll pull up their account on the custodian and it'll just be, you know, a hodgepodge of different holdings. Well, that doesn't really paint Mm -hmm. the the correct picture. So I'll use a one pager, uh, timeline matching visual with people like, look, we're doing this on purpose and with intention. So the Risa's 
basically transformed, I guess, the visual nature. You could call it the reporting, uh, account reporting, if you will. But like, okay, hey, we're going to construct this strategy and we're going to share it with you and without the financial jargon. However, we know that the backend work that Wade has done on this is all really robust. So that gives us oh, yeah. a lot of confidence with the solutions that we would recommend. I would, I would add to this. This is an and <clears throat> as well. Sure. And we were just in a meeting earlier today, Wade and myself, with DPL. And mm. uh, the, the angle, and, and I think you said this, what Teresa is just doing is describing characteristics of solutions, right? Yeah. Without, without giving them a label. The issue is that, look, 75% of the people want solutions that have a role for contractual income. And yep. so it's not that Theresa is pushing annuities. It's just Theresa is acknowledging their existence as a credible retirement income strategy. And so if someone's coming from the worldview where it's total return or nothing else, then even, even, if, even if annuities come up 5% of the time, they think we're sandbagging. Right. And the reality is it's, the reverse is true. You know exactly. You know you're sandbagging total return for everyone <laughs> when that's that's not that doesn't conform to the reality of how people want to source retirement income. You're just like wedging it in, and so right. that that's kind of my response. Wait, yeah, and Doug, you mentioned earlier about the the comments on Michael Kitsi's blog, and I that was a few minutes ago at this point, but I, there was the one I think you might be referencing, which. Someone wrote that the job of the financial advisor is to convince their clients to be 100% stocks yep. at all times in retirement. And right, if that's your belief, then you do think that the RISA is unnecessarily bringing annuities into the conversation. <laughs> but the reality is, and that guy, you really have to have an extreme viewpoint to yep. to believe. I mean, 100% stocks is right for everyone. And wait, that guy thinks the job of a client is to pay quarterly in advance. 1% no matter what. <laughs> yeah, with no refunds. <laughs> yeah. But the, so I mean, that's really important. That's, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But also like as a client, how do you differentiate, right? Because there's so many advisors that are like, that are so polarizing in terms of total return or on the other side that are, might be annuity only like, oh my gosh, doomsday, doomsday, doomsday. Yeah, yeah, you right. have to put everyone in annuity. So the RISA, helps us identify where they're at maybe on that spectrum to then guide to have the best solution for them. So, and that's, <laughs> that's important for a client to also identify like, okay, we're going to go interview three advisors. Okay. Well, what are the advisors biases to different retirement income solutions, which is important. Um, something that, uh, <laughs> I think Alex, you were just talking about, I, I used to frame it as like, if we were to design your ideal asset for retirement, what characteristics would it have? Because then yeah. that could help us uh, identify. And, and it's the same thing like, oh, do you have any pensions? And the client would say, no, I wish. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, do you have any annuities? They're like, no, I hate them. It's like, well, wait a second. <laughs> so that's, you know, it's it's a lot, of, a lot of it has to do with framing, but the RISA definitely helps frame correctly. Are you a financial professional looking to learn more about the RISA and retirement income best practices? Well, if you are, you should join our Retirement Income Masterclass on Monday, August 28th and Tuesday, August 29th. You can sign up at risaprofile.com advisors.
That's resaprofile.com slash advisors. No, no, that's great. And <clears throat> what what is your sweet spot for who you use the Risa for? Do you use it for specifically only for clients that are transitioning into retirement, for clients that are a little younger that you can kind of let them know, we don't need to do it now, but just so you know, this could be something in the future that we may have to prepare for, for clients that have already been retired as a sort of reality sanity check, uh, just putting it out there. What, what do you see within your practice? Yeah. I mean, primarily it is focused on retirees or, or people on the cusp of retirement, but I do have, so I have a multi-generational client where, uh, I, I took pieces from the Risa for the client's son and just to really get to know them, right? If we can get to know our clients the best, we can help them determine what solutions work the best for them. And he, and the son was like, or I paused him. I think we were talking about it might have even been like disability insurance or something. Uh, yeah. He's a physician. Uh, and he just stopped me and he's like, dang, you really know how I make decisions and how I think about things. I'm like, that's the point. Like, that's that's what we're trying to do. So in terms of like demographic wise, um, <laughs> it's tough, right? Yeah. I mean, primarily it is for retirees, but there can be use cases for people that are in accumulation as well. And how do how do the, the retirees react? Some of the things we've heard from advisors in the communication, which is similar. You were kind of hinting at it earlier, and I kind of moved away from it, but I, I think it bears repeating. Some advisors have told us the RISA kind of permissions the ability to talk about any solution because it's not coming from the advisor. It's actually being sourced by the individuals themselves, and that helps sort of create a buy-in, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'd, I like to say like it, it goes beyond quadrants, right? It, it really, what we're doing is blending, you know, the academic aspect with the personal aspect. So we can say, okay, great. We have free reign to discuss the best possible solution for you because generally speaking, everything in, in finance just has trade-offs, right? Like really what we're trying to do is say, okay, what what do you prioritize, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Client, and your financial plan? And then what trade-offs are you willing to accept to get you f- f- from retirement <laughs> at the start of retirement to the end of retirement? So it it's just a it, it yeah. I mean, I guess it does. It really gives us the ability to speak openly and speak freely on both personal and things with the dollar sign. <laughs> yeah, no. And wait, did you notice he used the word trade-off specifically? That's something that Wade always likes to, he does it very eloquently. <laughs> yeah, he'll say that it takes the best of psychology because it's a, you know, personality driven and the best of economics by identifying the trade-offs that they're making from retirement income planning. He uses that yep. that phrase a lot and look at that, Wade. I think that one <laughs> came you from you. <laughs> you're trying to, you're I, the one talking about the best of psychology. Well, I mean, so <laughs> yeah, it's all like they, the, the client is an expert in their life and we're an expert in, you know, financial stuff, if you will, right? Retirement planning, tax planning, whatever. So what we're trying to do is say, okay, let's take your expertise of your own life and our expertise of the financial world and how can we blend them together to create the best solution? That's I mean, good. that's the easiest way to put it. That, that's a nice way to put it. I haven't heard it like that before. 
And that's hard to do after so many of these. <laughs> that's pretty Fair. good. No, yeah. no, no, that's pretty good. Any, any particular use cases that you like to talk about where you were able to flex your muscles on, on this? Yeah. I mean, I have people all over, you know, I just said go beyond the quadrants, but I have people in every quadrant. Um, I have a couple that I've just written down. Uh, the, most common one I feel like maybe a question you guys get would be what if one spouse has one profile and another yeah. one has a different one. Uh, uh, I have a client where one spouse is just income protection, very, very scared of ups and downs, any volatility at all. And then the other, the other client is not full total return, but maybe something like a guardrails approach or something. Yeah, yeah. And we're just, part of it is me. Like I have to be really good at explaining things to both of them and their learning style and, and really work at that. But really we have to think about, okay, all the solutions are viable. What is comfortable for both of you? Mm -hmm. And the solution for them was, um, he had a little bit of a military pension and then he already had an income annuity or, or he had an annuity that he annuitized. Um, and so, that satisfies the uh, wife's want and need for income mm -hmm. protection. And then uh, we kind of blend them. So like we have a, we have a couple years of income that is already, whether it's bonds, cash, whatever, short-term bonds, cash, but then the rest we can just say, okay, here's, here's the timeline for these funds. You're not going to access them for X number of years. So therefore, we're okay with some volatility and I'll circle back with the wife and just say, look like these specific dollars, they, they will go up and down, but we have another uh, portion of your dollars that aren't going to. And she's like, okay, mm -hmm. that, that checks the box for me then, which is good. Yeah. That, that's really <laughs> powerful because that's your quantifying or you're showing that it's not just the market that she's being forced to depend upon because here are the protected income, reliable income sources that you have. And so just being able to frame that conversation with her in that manner, whereas there's still some investing going on, but her, her entire future lifestyle is not dependent on the success of those investments. Right. That was persuasive. That Yeah. Yep. And they are retiring January of next year. So we'll set all of that into motion and we've kind of already pre-prepped it, which is nice. This this is this is <laughs> a bit of a straw man that I'm gonna present, granted, right? But you know, for consumers listening in, I, I think if they walk into like the normal fee only advisor that does assets under management, I I, I think what you see if somebody is ultimately very conservative versus somebody is very aggressive is they'll split the difference on the allocation and call mm -hmm. it a day. And what I mean yep. by that is if you notice what Doug did is he's, he's, he's bringing in characteristics of the different strategies into something that's blended that accommodates the couple's preferences in a manner that reconciles their sensitivities. Whereas what happens a lot in practice right now to the detriment of the consumer is if this couple went to the traditional, you know, I'm a fiduciary, I'm fee only, and it's assets under management because if you do well, I do well, and that kind of BS, the reality is, is that some, you know, they'll think, okay, this husband's coming in at, you know, 100% equities, 0% fixed yeah. income, 
and we'll put the other spouse, the wife, at 40% equity, 60% fixed income. So if we split the difference, that's, uh, what is that, 73rd? <laughs> three up, three down, you know, whatever. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it meets in the middle yep. and there, no one's happy. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. And so that, 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 you know, there's always this presumption that the investments carry the entirety of the load. And if you do that, yep. you're not recognizing the significant risks that are present in retirement, which are manifested by her and, and him, you know, in the like. And so I, I think it allows you to kind of find that blend. Other folks that we found doing the research, they'll do, they have a separate strategy for the lady and a separate strategy for the man, you know, in the, in the, in that spouse kind of couple. I, I, I think it depends, you know, on, on how you can split the pie up. Sometimes it's easier, like what you said, just blend it. And, and you're satisfying both parties in that, in that mix. Yeah. I think it's important. We'll call that like, I, I think of that as the spectrum of the word safety amongst advisors yeah, exactly. because like there, like there are advisors <laughs> out there that are like, what do you mean? The market's safe. Like, <laughs> like, well, yeah, it might be if your time horizon is 30 years, right? Your, your, your risk, if you will, lessons over a longer time horizon, but you can't just put clients into one strategy and adjust their allocation based on that. I mean, 2022 might be a, it's, you know, the most recent example where a balanced portfolio is probably what, Wade, you can probably attest to this. Was it the worst performance ever of a balanced portfolio? Well, bonds got hit 20%, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 They both, both stocks <clears throat> and bonds were looking at some, depending on which fund you have, <laughs> sure. but somewhere in the ballpark of 20% losses. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just really important. Like uh, to identify as a consumer, again, like what the advisor's biases are, because again, this isn't supposed to be a podcast about like <laughs> what business model is the best, no, but you're fine. correct. Right. Like there are, yeah, but generally if you go to the, Oh, I'm a, this is why I, I left fee only world to go back to fee based. It's like, look, there are there aren't solutions if you're fee only that you're even thinking about most of the time. And I hate to generalize, but that's just what I saw was like, look, I don't being fee only. You do not have all of the solutions available to you. Okay. Um, so and we should probably define these terms. We're using them a lot today, and I don't know if we've ever formally well, defined this, this them. This may be our next art, before. you know, which I've got some <laughs> ideas around. But Doug, why don't you? But, why don't you're on a roll. What's fee only? Yep. Yeah. What do you mean by fee only and by fee based? Yeah. So, <laughs> so again, with the theme of like what it's not versus what it is. So there's so fee only can encompass a percentage of assets model. It can encompass a flat fee model where that can be an ongoing flat fee, whether it's paid monthly, quarterly, annually, et cetera. Um, uh, or it could be an hourly fee or like a project-based fee. All of that fits under the category, at least of the CFP board, a certified financial planner board of being fee only. And basically that just means that the advisor does not accept any mutual fund commissions or insurance commissions, et cetera. Um, fee based is all of what I've just said, but then also, uh, adds on, you know, insurance commissions, or I guess technically you could do, uh, mutual fund commissions under that as well. Now I don't do that. Uh, I don't but, think, I think that's like a dinosaur at this point. 
Honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't see the reason why anyone would own a commission-based <laughs> mutual fund, but whatever. Oh, it still exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see them. <laughs> we just get clients out of them. Uh, but I mean, so interestingly, you know, what I found is that the clients don't care. I had a client where they had a non-qualified annuity, um, just a joint non-qualified annuity with some gains on it. And they also had a huge position in um, just like VTI, right? A total market index fund. And we're like, okay, let's, let's tax-free exchange this into a, a new annuity that might have a floor or, you yeah, know, yeah. that has, you know, and it's just like, okay. And they're like, great. You know, how do you get paid on this? And I'm like, it's a commission. And they're just like, cool. <laughs> they like, they, at the end of the day, most clients don't care about how the advisor gets paid. They might want to know what the advisor gets paid or, or the, you know, what the business model is. But at the end of the day, they really just want their problem solved. Yeah. I, and if you're just upfront with the client about it, generally they're like, okay, I get that. Um, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I, I think ultimately, look, it, to the degree they care or not, I don't know because I, I, I don't formally ask every single person and you don't know, fair. you don't have the negatives, right? The people that you didn't, that didn't take you on as a client, maybe that was an issue and they never told you, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, for sure. but I, I, I think, I think you're in the right direction. Directionally, you're correct. And for me, it's more about transparency because mm-hmm. you can hand over my heart. I could argue credibly every, every fee model you yep. can. Right. And so the issue is not that the issue is transparency and aligning incentives and being yep. completely open book with the client about that because there's use cases where any one of those is advantageous and there's use cases where any one of those may not be. It's just how it is. I feel sorry for the consumer because we're in the thick of it and we know it. And so it's it's one of those things. But it's just government regulations, you know, when you're when when you know an annuity is effectively a contract, and so that that has yep. that just has different dynamics as opposed to just putting a trade in the in the floor of the exchange, you know, if, if you're doing right. what you want. But that that's neither here nor there but the larger point and this was us this is the resa for us i'll, I'll do my own like you know recent action for for us you know wade's writing all these things right and all of a sudden we come to the realization mclean was a fee only waving the flag of napfa you know that kind of thing yeah firm up in, i don't know when like let's just say five years ago right and we realize that no you know what these other things are valid we we should be putting them in our portfolio. And we're willing to say, okay, fine, we'll just refer it out. You know, we're for if someone needed an annuity, we'll refer that business out to an insurance person that does it. You know, that that kind of thing. But after a while, it became quite cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And we're an extension of whoever we refer that person out to. So if that person decides not to call that person back or this or that, it looks poorly on us. Yep. And so after a while we were like, listen, just from a business standpoint, it's an easier workflow to put that all inside in one house and no one, no one pushed back, you know, none of our clients right. cared. If, if anything, it's just, it's just easier. And the fact that you're open to everything, uh, you know, yep. it, it just, it, it's just an, an easier relationship yeah. dynamic as again, but transparency is the key there. I don't, you know, when, whenever anyone tells you how honest they are, you know, the, the, the tighter you grab your wallet. You know, that, that's kind of yeah. how I feel yep. when, when people start yep. throwing terms like that around. Definitely. And for me, it, it might not have even been, 
annuities, it, it was also with long-term care insurance, oh, right? Yeah, that yeah. industry is like crazy. That. I didn't even think like that. Yeah. So it's just like, I want to bring the best solution. Like I just referred out a long-term care policy to Northwestern Mutual because they have, they have a great long-term care product that independent agents can't even access. So it's just like, okay, like if this is what's best for the client, I really yeah, don't I care you. because if I, you know, so. Yeah, no. And so, <clears throat> so you can see how the Reese is kind of a natural play for this. If, if you're really coming at things from there are many credible strategies. Heck, it's taught in the schools. There's yeah. the flooring. There's time segmentation. There's total return. And you can split the flooring up into two. But if you really believe in those, which are taught, then why would you all of a sudden restrict yourself from three out of the four solutions? If you're looking for more personal advice, please note that our show is sponsored by McLean Asset Management. Learn more at McLeanAM.com. That's M-C-L-E-A-N-A-M dot com. McLean Asset Management is a wealth management firm where we help you design and implement the right retirement plan for you. Right. And I think to your point, it's just, it's tougher for the consumer, right? I feel bad for the consumer because now it's like, okay, they have to worry about how the advisor gets paid. Then also what strategy is the advisor going to pitch them? Is it always total return? Is it always income protection? How how can they decipher? Consumers not even aware of that. And this is where the RISA comes in. And maybe you can tie this to, to your experience. Wait, can you talk about the matching problem that exists? And maybe Doug can point out how that has happened in his firm and he was able to kind of, you know, right size it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of come up in the context, but it's just like I always use the example of you turn on your car radio, you tune into the AM stations, probably more so than FM, (laughs) and you start to listen to the commercials. Uh, You hear the commercial that... I'm a fiduciary advisor. I only, I'm fee only, so I only charge my clients, and they, when they do well, I do well. And ultimately, if that's some sort of high percentage, one to one and a half percent annual fee on the investments, and ultimately all the that advisor is doing is putting them into some sort of model portfolio, just with the basic asset allocation, figuring out the stock bond mix, but beyond that, choosing a few different funds. That's a very expensive way to invest, and that's not necessarily providing any value. Now, of course, some fee-only advisors do offer more financial planning services, but even though this is really promoted in the consumer media, it's the nice marketing message, fee-only, the interests are aligned. Well, at the end of the day, there are a lot of financial products that may not fit into that model, and, and so, it, and also that model tends to only focus on in managing investments. It may not really serve the client well, but then they flip to another station, and it's all about how a fixed index annuity is like solves every problem under the sun mm-hmm. with principal protection, upside growth opportunities, lifetime income, and. If that's the right, I mean, if your style fits with that, absolutely, there are good fixed index only annuities out there. But it's always whoever is advocating for a particular strategy, uh, they're acting as though that's the only viable option that everyone should be using. And and that's where the RISA and the advisor who's able to maneuver between these different strategies, I really feel is best positioned to ultimately serve the most clients. And that's, Doug, as you've realized, as we've realized, a fee-based approach that allows you that flexibility is ultimately, I think, going to be the type of advisory firm that it's going to help the most people in the long term. Yeah, uh, that is very well put. And that's why I'm all in on it as well. Like that was the 
that was the point where I just realized like, look, we have to offer everything. And it's not like we net, we never take it from a standpoint of, Oh, this advisor's bad, right? There's good advisors at bad firms and bad advisors at good firms. It's, we never want to discount anyone. You just think, (laughs) okay, they're doing the best with what they have, or maybe doing the best with what they know. But you know, my job is to say, okay, how can we, how can we offer the client every solution, no matter what? And I do a lot of flat fees too. So it's like, it's just like, okay, cool. Like you have, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. The fee is going to stay the same regardless of your asset level. Now what we can do is make recommendations based on how you think and, and what might fit best for you, regardless of any type of business model. But dude, I think, I think that's great. Doug, I just because we're, we're, I want to make sure people hear about you. How can folks find out about LifePoint? Yeah, so lifepointplanning.com uh, uh, is the is the website. And then um, I'm on Twitter as well, Doug LPP. Um, and then also to <laughs> retirewithlpp.com. Um, that's another one as well that, that I have. But yeah, lifepointplanning.com, that shares a lot about the firm and me and and what we're doing which is good hey wade and that's all one word no hyphens correct just life point planning wade remind me remind me to buy the url don't retire with life point hey <laughs> <laughs> that uh, my goal is to make sure that that would have the lowest traffic of all time <laughs> <laughs> Should put it like an April Fool's or something and sent it to yep. you. Like just giving you the URL. <laughs> yeah. Hey, something that this is the, and wait, there's more piece to this. Because uh, you had said DIYers. Part of the RISA yeah. is, and I don't think we've discussed this much. We've discussed the RISA as how you want to source retirement income, the, the main matrix. Yeah. But something in that battery that we have is the implementation personas, where we identify if you're a delegator. Uh, collaborator, validator, do-it-yourselfer. And we do it with self-efficacy and advisor usefulness. Uh, is that something you use within your practice? And if so, you know, what are some stories that you have behind that? Yeah, great question. Uh, I try to, this might be good or bad, I don't know. Yeah, I fine. try to identify that on initial calls with people before they've taken it <laughs> and then have them do it. <laughs> to see if I'm right, because it is so important. Um, I have a, or I had a, a client or not a client, uh, a prospect that yeah. was total return and kind of on the cusp of validate validator or DIYer. Yeah. And the interesting part was that the, their opinion of their self-efficacy was low, meaning like they don't feel confident that they can put together a solution, but yet they still don't want to pay for an advisor to help with it. So I thought that was just, you know, I, I was very, very polite, right? I sent him a follow-up video like, hey, you know, we might not be a great fit. Here are some resources to help. And here's where the Reese is even from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, at this at this time, and, and they had mentioned to me too, like, yeah, we, we interview advisors every few years just to kind of <laughs> see. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, <laughs> well, here, here, let's do this. Let's do this, Risa. And to be, to be honest with you, like that is really great feedback for me and them, 
Like, okay, if it's, if, if, if you're not going to hire an advisor, what do you need to do it yourself? Right. And that, that comes down. I tell all clients of all, uh, quadrants, if you will, uh, this like, look to do it yourself, you need the time, the desire and the ability. Then with an, with enough time, you can probably accumulate the ability to research enough to potentially do it yourself correctly. Um, but you also have to have the desire to do it. And if you don't have one or more of those, you know, time desirability to, to create and implement your plan, then that, you know, that must, that might mean that you need some professional help to do so. I, and go ahead. Sorry, Alex. I, no, no, I, I, I agree with you, but there's an, ad, there's an additional piece that I think do yourself is like, that's not to say you can't do yourself, but they have to realize right. what they're walking into. And that's, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And a do-it-yourselfer is a sample size of one, whereas, you True. know, an advisor has, you just said you have whatever, 200 families or, or something like that, right? And so you can identify intuitively two people that are very similar and you could say, no, but this is a better strategy for this person and this is a better strategy for that person because at some point you can intuit what's a better fit. You know, beyond just the yeah. knowledge, beyond just the knowledge, you have the wisdom to know that, OK, in this particular case, this is the way they need to go. In this particular case, yes, I get that whatever a claiming strategy like this works 95 percent of the time. But for you, I don't recommend it because I know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's the one hang up that that's there. Trust me, I'm not trying to we, we have it ourselves. If someone's a self-directed investor, we just send them to the membership site and educate yourself. Yeah. You know, and if they yep. want to raise your hands, fine. But we're not like soliciting it because it's it's a game you're not going to win, right? But that's the only caveat emptor that I do have for a do-yourselfer is that they're a sample size of one, and that's that's yep. that's well, an yeah, issue. It's just, and everyone makes mistakes, but when you're doing it yourself, you you make the mistake for yourself. Whereas the professional help already knows what kind of mistakes get made and can walk you through that so that you don't have to experience the, right. <laughs> the inevitable yeah. mistakes. That so at the very yeah. least, Especially a self-directed person should be a validator every once in a while just to like, right. hey, let me get another pair of eyes on this just in yeah. case. But yeah, it's funny how many, and you know what I was surprised to? How candidly people answer that. Like you're an advisor, yeah. you're giving someone a questionnaire asking them, hey, how good do you think I could be for you? <laughs> right. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite ones are close friends and family. I'm like, no, 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 just be honest. Like, <laughs> like we, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the DIY thing too, just, and I don't mean to, you know, belabor the it's point, fine. but the what, the what versus the how, right? You can know what you're supposed to do, but the implementation and the how to do it is a no, whole nother thing. Um, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> how to rebalance a portfolio. <laughs> like, no, okay, no, no, are you no. doing it with a spreadsheet? Are you, you know, it's just the what versus the how is a huge thing as well. No, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm more just of the opinion that you're, it's almost like, you know, when you're a teenager and your parents tell you, don't do this because such and such, and you do it anyways, because you got to find out for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's almost yep. that. And hopefully yeah. you just don't get enough, you don't get into trouble, you know, right. yeah. you know before you figure out the the, les, yeah. the lesson, if you will. But no, so, but you do use the implementation matrices. Do you use it for your funnels? Do you use specific funnels? If they're this, this is how I'm going to approach them. If they're a validator, this is how I'm going to approach them. Good question. Um, 
Yes. I mean, generally speaking, validators and, and do-it-yourselfers just aren't a great fit for long-term planning. The good news is, back to our business model discussion, they can find someone that will meet them for a few hours and you yeah. know fill that need. Um, but yeah, I mean, I use it with, you know, every time I'm sending Arisa, I'm doing that. Like that, that piece is super important too, because again, back to, I have to know the client the best to then recommend the best solutions for them. That is a huge component. Are they a collaborator? Are they, um, a delegator? Are they a delegator? Yeah. 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 It's just like with collaborators, I might, you know, send an extra email like, Hey, uh, we are going to rebalance your portfolio. I don't know why I keep going back to that example, but we're going to rebalance your portfolio and here's what we're doing and here's why. Where a delegator, I might just say, hey, we rebalanced your portfolio this quarter. And they're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. So no, it, 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 affects it helps the with communication. It affects the cadence, especially in a discovery meeting. You know, you don't want to yep. like overwhelm somebody or you don't want to underwhelm somebody. You want to get them at the right balance, if you will. But no, I, right. I, I agree. <laughs> I'm looking at Wade. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we probably are kind of running up on our Perfect. time here. So let me just mention, we do have the Risa Masterclass coming up August 28th, 29th. And uh, the, the first two primary days, there'll be CFPs and other CE credit available for those sessions starting at 12 noon each day. Uh, we'll have the link in the show notes for anyone who wants to learn more about the Risa and Doug, just give our listeners another chance to learn how they can find you on the internet if they would like to do so from the consumer side. Yeah, the easiest easiest place is lifepointplanning.com. Um, just to reiterate, so yeah, started, started in the business 10 years ago, built to 200 families, then started from scratch again. So now I work with like 75 households um, and... Uh, the easiest way to connect is is just do uh, lifepointplanning.com. I have a start here tab and I've been doing a little bit of a promo where we've been doing a, a one page plan or like a one page visual vis- visualization for people um, just to kind of share with them. Okay, here's some low hanging fruit items that we can that we can discuss. And then if it if it blossoms in anything else, that's fine. If not, that's OK, too. So um that's the easiest way, lifepointplanning.com. Hey, Doug. Great. Yeah. Sorry, Wade. Go ahead. No, thanks for joining us, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And before I take us home, did you have a last thought there, Alex? No, other than that, just, ruminating just to say thank you. And, you know, I, you know I'll say it on Doug's behalf. I, I can't express how, how impressed I've been with Doug during all of our interactions, you know, before this podcast. So I, I definitely check that page out. Uh, he's somebody to keep an thank eye on. Thank you both. No, thank cool. you so Thanks much so for much. taking the time. Really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Doug. Wade and Alex are both principals of McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.